Section 39 of The Natural History, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Mattingly. The Natural History, Volume 2 by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 39. Chapter 33 foreign birds which visit us the quail the glottis the cycramus and the otus having spoken of the emigration of these birds over sea and land i cannot allow myself to defer mentioning some other birds of smaller size which have the same natural instinct although in the case of those which i have already mentioned their very size and strength would almost seem to invite them to such habits the quail, which always arrives among us even before the crane, is a small bird, and when it has once arrived, more generally keeps to the ground than flies aloft. These birds fly also in a manner to those I have already spoken of, and not without considerable danger to mariners when they come near the surface of the earth, for it often happens that they settle on the sails of a ship, and that, too, always in the night, the consequence of which is that the vessel often sinks. These birds pursue their course along a tract of country with certain resting places. When the south wind is blowing, they will not fly, as that wind is always humid and apt to weigh them down. Still, however, it is an object with them to get a breeze to assist them in their flight, the body being so light and their strength so very limited. Hence it is that we hear them make that murmuring noise as they fly, it being extorted from them by fatigue. It is for this reason also that they take to flight more especially when the north wind is blowing, having the autigometra for their leader. The first of them that approaches the earth is generally snapped up by the hawk. When they are about to return from these parts, they always invite other birds to join their company, and the glottis, otus, and chicramus, yielding to their persuasions, take their departure along with them. The glottis protrudes a tongue of remarkable length, from which circumstance it derives its name. At first it is quite pleased with the journey, and sets out with the greatest ardour. Very soon, however, when it begins to feel the fatigues of the flight, it is overtaken by regret, while at the same time it is equally as loath to return alone as to accompany the others. Its travels, however, never last more than a single day, for at the very first resting place they come to, it deserts. Here, too, it finds other birds which have been left behind in a similar manner in the preceding year. The same takes place with other birds day after day. The Chicramus, however, is much more persevering, and is quite in a hurry to arrive at the land which is its destination. Hence it is that it arouses the quails in the night, and reminds them that they ought to be on the road. The Otis is a smaller bird than the horned owl, though larger than the owlet. It has feathers projecting like ears, whence its name. Some persons call it in the Latin language the Asio. In general it is a bird fond of mimicking, a great parasite, and in some measure a dancer as well. Like the owlet it is taken without any difficulty, for while one person occupies its attention another goes behind and catches it. If the wind by its contrary blasts should begin to prevent the onward progress of the flight, the birds immediately take up small stones, or else fill their throats with sand, and so to contrive to ballast themselves as they fly. 
the seeds of a certain venomous plant are most highly esteemed by the quails as food for which reason it is that they have been banished from our tables in addition to which a great repugnance is manifested to eating their flesh on account of the epilepsy to which alone of all animals with the exception of man the quail is subject chapter thirty four swallows the swallow the only bird that is carnivorous among those which have not hooked talons takes its departure also during the winter months but it only goes to neighbouring countries seeking sunny retreats there on the mountain sides sometimes they have been found in such spots bare and quite unfledged this bird it is said will not enter a house in thebes because that city has been captured so frequently nor will it approach the country of the busy eye on account of the crimes committed there by terius caecini of volterae a member of the equestrian order and the owner of several chariots used to have swallows caught and then carried them with him to aomi upon gaining a victory he would send the news by them to his friends for after staining them the colour of the party that had gained the day he would let them go immediately upon which they would make their way to the nests they had previously occupied fabius pictor also relates in his annals that when a roman garrison was being besieged by the ligurians a swallow which had been taken from its young ones was brought to him in order that he might give them notice by the number of knots on a string tied to its leg on what day succour would arrive and a sortie might be made with advantage chapter thirty five birds which take their departure from us and whither they go the thrush the blackbird and the starling birds which lose their feathers during their retirement the turtle dove and the ring dove the flight of starlings and swallows in a similar manner also the blackbird the thrush and the starling take their departure to neighbouring countries but they do not lose their feathers nor yet conceal themselves as they are often to be seen in places where they seek their food during the winter hence it is that in winter more especially the thrush is so often to be seen in germany it is however a well ascertained fact that the turtle dove conceals itself and loses its feathers the ring dove also takes its departure and with these two it is a matter of doubt whither they go it is a peculiarity of the starlings to fly in troops as it were and then to wheel round in a globular mass like a ball the central troop acting as a pivot for the rest swallows are the only birds that have a sinuous flight of remarkable velocity for which reason it is that they are not exposed to the attacks of other birds of prey these two in fine are the only birds that take their food solely on the wing chapter thirty six birds which remain with us throughout the year birds which remain with us only six or three months whitwolves and hoopoes the time during which birds show themselves differs very considerably some remain with us all the year round the pigeon for instance some for six months such as the swallow and some again for three months only as the thrush the turtle dove and those which take their departure the moment they have reared their young the Whitwall and the Hoopoe, for instance. Chapter 37. The Memnonides. There are some authors who say that every year certain birds fly from Ethiopia to Ilium and have a combat at the tomb of Memnon there, from which circumstance they have received from them the name of Memnonides, or birds of Memnon. Cremutius states it also as a fact, ascertained by himself, that they do the same every fifth year in Ethiopia around the palace of Memnon. Chapter 38. The Meliagrides. 
In a similar manner also, the birds called Meliagrides fight in Boeotia. They are a species of African poultry, having a hump on the back which is covered with a mottled plumage. These are the latest among the foreign birds that have been received at our tables on account of their disagreeable smell. The tomb, however, of Meliaga has rendered them famous. Chapter 39. The Seleucides. These birds are called Seleucides, which are sent by Jupiter at the prayers offered up to him by the inhabitants of Mount Cassius, when the locusts are ravaging their crops of corn. Whence they come, or whither they go, has never yet been ascertained, as in fact they are never to be seen but when the people stand in need of their aid. Chapter 40. The Ibis. The Egyptians also invoke their Ibis against the incursions of serpents, and the people of Elis, their god Myagros, when the vast multitudes of flies are bringing pestilence among them, the flies die immediately the propitiatory sacrifice has been made to this god. Chapter 41. Places in which certain birds are never found. With reference to the departure of birds, the owlet too is said to lie concealed for a few days. No birds of this last kind are to be found in the island of Crete, and if any are imported thither, they immediately die. Indeed, this is a remarkable distinction made by nature, for she denies to certain places, as it were, certain kinds of fruits and shrubs, and of animals as well. It is singular that when introduced into these localities, they will be no longer productive, but die immediately they are thus transplanted. What can it be that is thus fatal to the increase of one particular species, or whence this envy manifested against them by nature? What, too, are the limits that have been marked out for the birds on the face of the earth? Rhodes possesses no eagles. In Italy, beyond the Padus, there is, near the Alps, a lake known by the name of Larius, beautifully situate amid a country covered with shrubs, and yet this lake is never visited by storks, nor indeed are they ever known to come within eight miles of it while on the other hand, in the neighbouring territory of the Insubris, there are immense flocks of magpies and jackdaws, the only bird that is guilty of stealing gold and silver, a very singular propensity. It is said that in the territory of Tarentum, the woodpecker of Mars is never found. It is only lately, too, and that bird very rarely, that various kinds of pies have begun to be seen in the districts that lie between the Apennines and the city birds which are known by the name of Varii and are remarkable for the length of the tail. It is a peculiarity of this bird that it becomes bald every year at the time of sowing rape. The partridge does not fly beyond the frontiers of Boeotia into Attica, nor does any bird in the island in the Euxine in which Achilles was buried enter the temple there consecrated to him. In the territory of Fidonae, in the vicinity of the city, the storks have no young, nor do they build nests, but vast numbers of ring-doves arrive from beyond the sea every year in the district of Volterrae. At Rome neither flies nor dogs ever enter the temple of Hercules in the cattle-market. There are numerous other instances of a similar nature in reference to all kinds of animals, which from time to time I feel myself prompted by prudent considerations to omit, lest I should only weary the reader. Theophrastus, for example, relates that even pigeons as well as peacocks and ravens have been introduced from other parts into Asia, as also croaking frogs into Cyrenaica. Chapter 42. The various kinds of birds which afford omens by their note, birds which change their colour and their voice. There is another remarkable fact, too, relative to the birds which give omens by their note. 
they generally change their colour and voice at a certain season of the year and suddenly become quite altered in appearance a thing that among the larger birds happens with the crane only which grows black in its old age from black the blackbird changes to a reddish colour sings in summer chatters in winter and about the summer solstice loses its voice when a year old the beak also assumes the appearance of ivory this however is the case only with the male in the summer the thrush is mottled about the neck but in the winter it becomes of one uniform colour all over chapter forty three the nightingale the song of the nightingale is to be heard without intermission for fifteen days and nights continuously when the foliage is thickening as it bursts from the bud a bird which deserves our admiration in no slight degree first of all what a powerful voice in so small a body its note how long and how well sustained and then too it is the only bird the notes of which are modulated in accordance with the strict rules of musical science at one moment as it sustains its breath it will prolong its note and then at another will vary it with different inflections then again it will break into distinct chirrups or pour forth an endless series of roulades then it will warble to itself while taking breath or else disguise its voice in an instant while sometimes again it will twitter to itself now with a full note and now with a grave now again sharp now with a broken note and now with a prolonged one sometimes again when it thinks fit it will break out into quavers and will run through in succession alto tenor and bass in a word in so tiny a throat is to be found all the melody that the ingenuity of man has ever discovered through the medium of the invention of the most exquisite flute so much so that there can be no doubt it was an infallible presage of his future sweetness as a poet when one of these creatures perched and sang on the infant lips of the poet stesichorus that there may remain no doubt that there is a certain degree of art in its performances we may here remark that every bird has a number of notes peculiar to itself for they do not all of them have the same but each certain melodies of its own they vie with one another and the spirit with which they contend is evident to all the one that is vanquished often dies in the contest and will rather yield its life than its song the younger birds are listening in the meantime and receive the lesson in song from which they are to profit the learner hearkens with the greatest attention and repeats what it has heard and then they are silent by turns this is understood to be the correction of an error on the part of the scholar and a sort of reproof as it were on the part of the teacher hence it is that nightingales fetch as high a price as slaves and indeed sometimes more than used formerly to be paid for a man in a suit of armour i know that on one occasion six thousand sesterces were paid for a nightingale a white one it is true a thing that is hardly ever to be seen to be made a present of to agrippina the wife of the emperor claudius a nightingale has been often seen that will sing at command and take alternate parts with the music that accompanies it men too have been found who could imitate its note with such exactness that it would be impossible to tell the difference by merely putting water in a reed held crosswise and then blowing into it a longuette being first inserted for the purpose of breaking the sound and rendering it more shrill but these modulations so clever and so artistic begin gradually to cease at the end of the fifteen days not that you can say however that the bird is either fatigued or tired of singing but as the heat increases its voice becomes altogether changed and possesses no longer either modulation or variety of note its colour too becomes changed 
and at last throughout the winter it totally disappears. The tongue of the nightingale is not pointed at the tip as in other birds. It lays at the beginning of the spring six eggs at the most. Chapter 44. The Milano Corypheus, the Erichthacus, and the Phoenicurus. The change is different that takes place in the Ficedula, for this bird changes its shape as well as its colour. Ficedula is the name by which it is called in autumn, but not after that period, for then it is called Melanocorypheus. In the same manner, too, the Erythacus of the winter is the Phoenicurus of the summer. The hoopoe also, according to the poet Aeschylus, changes its form. It is a bird that feeds upon filth of all kinds, and is remarkable for its twisted topknot, which it can contract or elevate at pleasure along the top of the head. Chapter 45. The Cananthi, the Chlorion, the Blackbird, and the Ibis. The Ananthi, too, is a bird that has stated days for its retreat. At the rising of Sirius it conceals itself, and at the setting of that star comes forth from its retreat. And this it does, a most singular thing, exactly upon both those days. The Chlorion also, the body of which is yellow all over, is not seen in the winter, but comes out about the summer solstice. The blackbird is found in the vicinity of Kylini in Arcadia, with white plumage, a thing that is the case nowhere else. The ibis in the neighbourhood of Pelusium only is black, while in all other places it is white. Chapter 46. The Times of Incubation of Birds The birds that have a note, with the exception of those previously mentioned, do not by any chance produce their young before the vernal or after the autumnal equinox, as to the broods produced before the summer solstice, it is very doubtful if they will survive, but those hatched after it thrive well. Chapter 47. The Halcyones. The Halcyon Days that are favourable to navigation. It is for this that the Halcyon is more especially remarkable. The seas, and all those who sail upon their surface, well know the days of its incubation. This bird is a little larger than a sparrow, and the greater part of its body is of an azure blue colour, with only an intermixture of white and purple in some of the larger feathers, while the neck is long and slender. There is one kind that is remarkable for its larger size and its note. The smaller ones are heard singing in the reed beds. It is a thing of very rare occurrence to see a halcyon, and then it is only about the time of the setting of the Virgilii, and the summer and winter solstices when one is sometimes to be seen to hover about a ship, and then immediately disappear. They hatch their young at the time of the winter solstice, from which circumstance those days are known as the Halcyon days. During this period the sea is calm and navigable, the Sicilian sea in particular. They make their nest during the seven days before the winter solstice, and sit the same number of days after. Their nests are truly wonderful. They are the shape of a ball slightly elongated, have a very narrow mouth, and bear a strong resemblance to a large sponge. It is impossible to cut them asunder with iron, and they are only to be broken with a strong blow, upon which they separate, just like foam of the sea when dried up. It has never yet been discovered of what material they are made. Some persons think that they are formed of sharp fish-bones, as it is on fish that these birds live. They enter rivers also, their eggs are five in number. Chapter 48. Other Kinds of Aquatic Birds The sea-mew also builds its nest in rocks, and the diver in trees as well. These birds produce three eggs at the very most. 
the sea-mew in summer, the diver at the beginning of spring. Chapter 49. Instinctive cleverness displayed by birds in the construction of their nests. The wonderful works of the swallow, the bank swallow. The form of the nest built by the halcyon reminds me also of the instinctive cleverness displayed by other birds, and indeed in no respect is the ingenuity of birds more deserving of our admiration. The swallow builds its nest of mud and strengthens it with straws. If mud happens to fail, it soaks itself with a quantity of water which it then shakes from off its feathers into the dust. It lines the inside of the nest with soft feathers and wool to keep the eggs warm and in order that the nest may not be hard and rough to its young when hatched. It divides the food among its offspring with the most rigid justice, giving it first to one and then to another. With a remarkable notion of cleanliness, it throws out of the nest the ordure of the young ones, and when they have grown a little older, teaches them how to turn round and let it fall outside the nest. There is another kind of swallow also that frequents the fields and the country. Its nest is of a different shape, though the same materials, but it rarely builds it against houses. The nest has its mouth turned straight upwards, and the entrance to it is long and narrow, while the body is very capacious. It is quite wonderful what skill is displayed in the formation of it, for the purpose of concealing the young ones, and of presenting a soft surface for them to lie upon. At the Heracleotic mouth of the Nile, in Egypt, the swallows present an insuperable obstacle to the inroads of that river, in the embankment which is formed by their nests, in one continuous line, nearly a stadium in length, a thing that could not possibly have been effected by the agency of man. In Egypt, too, near the city of Coptos, there is an island sacred to Isis. In the early days of spring, the swallows strengthened the angular corner of this island with chaff and straw, thus fortifying it in order that the river may not sweep it away. This work they persevere in for three days and nights together, with such unremitting labour that it is a well-known fact that many of them die with their exertions. This, too, is a toil which recurs regularly for them every year. There is, again, a third kind of swallow, which makes holes in the banks of rivers to serve for its nest. The young of these birds, reduced to ashes, are a good specific against mortal maladies of the throat, and tend to cure many other diseases of the human body. These birds do not build nests, and they take care to migrate a good many days before, if it so happens that the rise of the river is about to reach their holes. End of section 39